Dalla. Okay. Oh. You watch highlights? Yes, I did. 71. Eight. On Actually, Damon Lillard ha- is the third player uh, who has the most 60-plus uh, point games in NBA history. Third? Third. Will Chamber- only Will Chamberlain and Kobe Bryant have more 60-plus point games wow. in their careers. Okay. So That's remarkable. That's quite remarkable, but... Uh, the only eighth guy in the history to score more than 70 points. 41 in the first half. He was shooting uh, from two steps after crossing the half court. Just insane shots, but... Um, he practiced some of those shots in the All-Star in game, In the All-Star actually. game yeah. that you saw. Yeah, one of the worst games to witness. But the three-point contest went, oh, yeah. went yeah. his yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the three-point point contest current format gives such an advantage to Dame because these Mountain Dew balls, the deep freeze, <laughs> is something that's just a routine shot for Casual him. Casual shot for Yeah, and for, for some Dame. other players, you can see they are struggling from that range. And Dame, he just hits those shots like, like layups. And uh, actually, it doesn't really surprise me that a player like Dame gets hot and scores 70 in today's NBA, especially against a team like Houston Rockets. But... There was a, sorry, Ritis, scoring explosions versus the Rockets this season. There is like three, six, uh, 12 players who have scored 40 and plus against the Rockets this season. However, uh, whether they're defending or not, to hit 13 frees from 22 attempts yeah. is remarkable. Uh, even, I mean, I, I watched those shots. Not all of them really were that easy. Uh, not all of them were wide open. Some of them were step back freeze, difficult shots, difficult for a uh, normal player, not mm. Dame. But again, watching Dame Lillard scoring 71 and doing what he does uh, leaves me a bit frustrated that he hasn't been in a position to win an NBA title. And the clock is ticking, the Dame time is ticking. <laughs> You don't know if Portland is capable of building a, a solid team once again because so far uh, they've been to Western Conference Finals. That's the best achievement they had with Dame. And, you know, Portland is not a big market team. They're not a team you expect to sign big free agents. And, of course, Dame is staying loyal, which is a good thing. And I think Yanis Antetokounmpo... Um, when when they were drafting players for the All-Star game, picked Dame based on his loyalty. So that's uh, respectable, but you want to see players like Dame winning, at least making it to the NBA Finals once in their career. Who was the last loyal NBA star who you uh, sincerely wished for winning the title, but the problem was that, just like it happened with Dirk probably at first in Dallas, that you had this big desire to just see him winning the trophy, but he didn't have a good supporting cast around him. Most of these guys, they they won, like Dirk, Wayne Wade, although mm. he but left they, later. Yeah, they changed teams. Chris Paul was in I kind mean, of similar situation like Dame, but he switched teams. But frequently. you know, Wayne Wade switched teams when he already won everything mm. with Miami, oh, yeah, and, Wade, and yeah, he played yeah. one season for, with Chicago, a short stint with Cleveland, and then he retired actually as a Miami yeah, yeah, Heat. Yeah. So. I, I would uh, put him in the bracket of mm-hmm. those uh, loyal yeah. players. He was never actually the highest paid player on the Miami Heat roster. Mm-hmm. That's, that shows how many sacrifices he made for Miami to be in a position uh, to win uh, the championship. But 
talking about players who were loyal throughout their careers and didn't win the title. In the recent years. In the recent years. Because yeah, we can talk about Malone, I really, I really wanted Yanis to win in Milwaukee because there oh. were a lot of talks, you know, that he's he might be looking to go away. Yeah. And and then he won. Obviously, you know, it it's was a small a, such market an, team as well. It was a, in a, such an early point of his career, so that you know you can't really say you know oh he he you know it was like six five or six years that he was in Milwaukee and then he won. So maybe it's it, it's too early, but I can't think of any other you know. I'm not so sure because ten plus year cases. Many players got this. traded eventually. Um, there are not too many players that actually played their entire career in the same team. Mm. And most of those examples, like Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, they fulfilled their goals. Like they became champions eventually. I don't know. Uh, you have to go back to Utah Jazz probably mm. and talk about Stockton That's Malone. Sad. Because Dame turns 33 this summer and it's not like Jokic and the Takumba going to join him. Like, you know, those guys joined Wayne Wade in, in Miami. So yeah, it's very it's, likely that we won't see him unless he will switch teams in the end of his career. He will career. definitely leave a huge legacy in Portland. Uh, but... When you retire without a, a ring, well, some players say, like Allen Iverson once said, uh, mm. that he's happy with his career. He has no regrets, even though he never was an NBA champion. He led Philadelphia to NBA Finals in 2001, but he, he's happy with what he achieved. Maybe Dame is also happy and maybe staying loyal to Portland Trailblazers to him is, is the same as winning a title. And, and who knows what might happen in the, in the future. But right now, Portland is a just a decent team that, in this stacked Western Conference, they're not capable of competing. They seem, you know, stuck, in, you know, in that middle where you are not tanking, but you're not, you know, that you're not winning as well. So, and and this is a position, you know, no NBA team wants to be in, yeah. but they seem to be uh, in in this spot for for quite a while now. And you know, they made some moves this summer. Uh, they have a nice young piece in uh, Shaden Sharp, who I think will have a great future. Will ha who has a great future ahead of him, but you know, it's it's not enough. You, you know, we will have to wait for him, and uh, they need uh, bold moves. Yeah, to 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 put Dame in in the, in the spot to compete Actually, for a title. When they traded CJ McCollum last season, I thought that this is the time Completely for, for Portland to do a rebuild and mm. to uh, search for options to trade Dame, mm. but it didn't happen. At the time, it was just they sent CJ McCollum to to the Pelicans for some assets, and that's it. So, I don't know. Maybe I mean, in the past, we've heard some rumors about Lillard demanding a trade or wanting to leave Portland, but he always stayed there. And maybe who knows? He's gonna be there until the end of his career. Although uh, it's tempting to have a shot at a championship ring, but we also saw players. Uh, when they became veterans, uh, being unsuccessful in in the ring chasing, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. even Carl Malone, example, his last season when he was 39, 40 years old, he joined the LA Lakers, uh, and it was obvious they have to win right now with with Malone, with Peyton, with Shaq, with Kobe, and it it just didn't work in the finals, and Malone was injured. The Detroit Pistons were the better team; they were outplayed, and Malone retired. 
you know, so it's never a given if you leave uh, mm, for a, sure. a great spot for you, the city where you were for your whole career that you win a ring. So I really wanted uh, Tracy McGrady to become yeah. an NBA champion, even though he was not a relevant player anymore. But he did join the San Antonio Spurs uh, when they were facing Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. It, it, it's the final series when that um, Ray Allen shot happened oh, yeah. in, in Game 6. And McGrady was on the roster. He would add this to his Wikipedia page that he's an NBA <laughs> champion, but it was never meant to be. It's, it's crazy to read this list of eight players who scored more than 70 points. And okay, Damian Lillard, I mean, he's hitting more than... He, he became the first 70-point uh, game player with 10-plus uh, three-pointers. But I see guys like David Robinson on this list. How he could score more than 70 points back in the day without shooting three-pointers? That's that's just crazy. Because David Robinson was the probably the most athletic player in the league at the time. He could do everything. He could take the ball and run through the court, and he never got tired. His stamina was just off the charts, and um, he actually had a quadruple double game, as I mm. remember once. Yeah, I mean, he's the admiral for for a reason, you know. And he could score. He could. He had a nice mid mid range jump shot. Left handed center. He can play his back to the basket. He can drive, he could do everything except for a three-pointer, but in that time, the three-pointer was not necessary. In, uh, he scored 71 points in 1994, where Spurs attempted six three-pointers in that game. Okay. It was the game against Clippers. How crazy is that? And actually, David hit one of two. He also made 26 field goals from 41 attempts. 41 attempts in one game. That's, That's crazy. Just wild. Well, That's he was crazy. an Iron Man. <laughs> he was unique, I, I should say. I mean, in today's basketball, David Robinson would also be an elite center because of his defensive abilities, first of all. Mm. But Last uh, fact about Dame's night was that he had the most efficient, efficient shooting night mm -hmm. of all of those eight players who have uh, reached this mark, like a most efficient 70 plus point game, 80% yeah. true shooting, of, of course, obviously, because he had 13 three point attempts. Yeah, and he's oldest player to, to reach that. He made all his free throws, points. he only made two turnovers. So it's not like Super he, he scored 70 points without playing winning basketball. And they won. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because we had Devin, Booker, Devin had Booker against the Celtics in a blowout loss. <laughs> Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Also, the, the, the really last fact, first 70-point game in under 40 minutes. But, I mean, we focus on the individual scoring 70, but at the same time, in, in, in NBA, we have teams scoring 176. I know it's an overtime game, but in the regular time, the scoreline was also crazy. 150, yeah. yeah. Now the scoring it's is is getting crazier every year in the in the NBA and it's you know if you score forty it's no it's a no big deal if you know That's true. before forty points would have been all over the highlights yeah. all over the internet and nowadays you get nobody you got 40 pays too much is, attention nah you you have to get fifty <laughs> or you need to have a dub a, a triple double triple double is what makes a better headline, I think. Yeah, triple-double, uh, definitely. Like 30, 20, and 10 is, is better, better than, is better than scoring 45. Yeah. 
But again, if you, if you watch these NBA regular season games, I mean, I know some people say it's a circus. Some people say they're not playing any defense. It's just part of the deal. I mean, the biggest thing yeah. is there is so much talent and everybody can shoot. So your defense basically works in a way that you're going to give away a shot. You're just picking which player should take that shot. You're trying to live with the consequences of a 35% shooter attacking rather than a 40% shooter. And there's no other way because you always have to go to help when, when players like, for example, Luka Doncic or LeBron James or any other are penetrating and they're always going to give a pass to the corner and there's always going to be an open man. And, you know, this is the way basketball is right now in the NBA. I mean, in EuroLeague, we also have some similarities, but it's just hard to imagine that somebody, a coach or a team could have a defense that keeps these talented teams under 100 points. Mm. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible in a 48-minute game with these rules and everything. So I, I think the better way is just to enjoy these performances and, and the talent rather than... For sure. Uh, you know, always complain about, oh, they're not playing any defense. It's boring. It's a circus. I do agree that the All-Star game is a circus. It's unwatchable. Donatus, how was the All-Star game? You know, you were there. We didn't have a podcast for uh, two weeks. That was one of the reasons why we didn't have a podcast for two weeks. Ritas was also, uh, Ritas also had some uh, time off. Uh, and I could, I could have done alone, you know, a monologue about uh, <laughs> cup games and stuff. <laughs> actually, yeah, actually, yeah, because a lot of uh, there were a lot of things uh, to discuss and to talk about. And I have to emphasize that the primary goal of that trip wasn't the All Star Game, uh, but uh, the the personal meeting with Matas Buzalis, I would say, which who eventually became the number one prospect on the first ESPN mock draft of the, of the 2024 NBA draft. So and I'm, I, I, I really felt blessed to spend more time with Matas and around Matas when our Lithuanian Basketball Federation, when they had uh, this trip uh, to the United States just to see Matas. I cannot say to visit Matas because it was like a five minute uh, conversation or something. So yeah, I have more impressions from from my meeting with Matas rather than this All Star game that I actually barely watched because there was plenty of stuff uh, to do, and it wasn't interesting. It wasn't. <laughs> Although the free point contest and even the dunk contest this year. Oh yeah, Mac McClung true. saved the dunk contest. Was good. So speaking of so okay, uh, it A lot should of be the, to discuss, it should I be see. the the introduction of our podcast after this discussion about uh, Dame Lillard's. Uh, Milestone, uh, welcome back. Our bonus podcast is back. Sorry for this break, but we just couldn't be literally in presence uh, for, for this podcast uh, the last week. And we're back on track. Uh, we will also have the Q&A session this week, so you can start preparing your questions or start uh, making those questions below this video uh, for the following uh, Q&A podcast. Or you can also join our BN Plus community because we put a priority for BN Plus member questions and we actually have some great offers right now like two months uh, two months for free on all starter all-star and gm uh, levels so just visit basketnews.com slash plus uh, to become our BN Plus members uh, to be more closer to us on our very nice uh, WhatsApp community that we have also to make those questions for the podcast and some other extra content that you will get more and more actually in the following weeks. So I really suggest doing it before it's going to be cool. 
Uh, and yeah, what was the question? What was the question Which you asked one? me? Or there was no question. I, I actually You're had still a question. feeling no, the we jet lag, right? Jet lag. Was I mean, crazy. just maybe share more um, about your trip to to the USA. What what was it what was, was the main highlight? I mean, yeah. uh, meeting Buzalis. Meeting Buzalis. Yeah, just I mean, I mean for us for us so, Lithuanians, he's like the Victor Vembanyama for. Uh, I mean, he's not that type of gener. I mean. Yeah, but he's a projected number one draft pick next year. So. I mean, he's not a lock. No, no, that's no, no. Yeah. Yeah. is. But right now, he's a projected number one of draft course, pick. Of course, so that's that's impressive. That's huge. That's, we didn't have anyone uh, close to that kind of projection. Even Jonas Lanchunas, no. he went drafted fifth. Fifth, I think. Yeah. It was the best uh, draft in Lithuanian history. He was nowhere close to being drafted and you know, number one. I, I think every basketball fan sh should be more excited about a a, a seven foot guard than about a uh, mm. you know a center who is a traditional center. So uh, you know we are just this much excited because of how uh, a talent uh, you know fits for this modern basketball and we have never seen anything like that in the Lithuan in Lithuanian basketball I was excited to see Chad Holmgren but he mm -hmm. he had an injury and his rookie season is postponed mm -hmm. until until next next year but he also is a very intriguing player not a point guard but mm -hmm. but yeah. a, very, a very skilled seven footer also for me Buzalis is close to something like Franz Wagner, I would say, because he can also, you know, play with the ball in his hands. He has a decent shot. He's also tall, lengthy uh, guy who can run the game. So for me, Buzalis, mm -hmm. although Holmgren also has some, let's say, body similarities, but playing wise, I think that's uh, mm -hmm. Franz Wagner. Franz is a Wagner is a nice comparison. Com nice comparison. Yeah. I love watching Franz. I loved him in the Eurobasket. And sometimes when I switch to Orlando Magic games, it's basically because of Franz Wagner and a little bit of ball ball. <laughs> uh, so you are the guy who got the statement from Matos Buzelis that he yeah. wants to play for yeah. Lithuania, right? Yeah, because there was this kind of race, uh, at least on media, whether he will go with the team USA or Lithuania, but uh, it was the first time he officially confirmed in both languages we did a lithuanian interview also who didn't uh, who wasn't uh, which wasn't published but then later he he just confirmed one more time that he will play for for lithuania which is huge so you visited oklahoma and salt lake city okc vichita where buzelis is playing okay. for sunrise christian sunrise academy christian. that was crazy that was a crazy trip because vichita is not the okay it's the biggest largest city in uh, state of kansas but still, it's, it's the one of the most random destinations I've, I've been to, and I've never planned to go there. But it was great to feel some high school basketball atmosphere, and it's very religious uh, state and city, actually. So even before the game, they, they have those sprays uh, in, in the gym. They also have praise after each uh, practice. So it was it was interesting experience. And I just loved Buzali's personality, very low profile uh, guy, uh, very polite, uh, well educated. So the best thing is that not he's very good talent, big talent, big prospect uh, because of his size, of his skill, but also I see how humble he is, how uh, down to the earth uh, he is. So I wish him all the best because he, he deserves it. And actually had all-star game question, but we spoke enough about the NBA. Uh, so maybe let's just stick with European basketball. 
a lot of stuff uh, was going on around. Uh, we will discuss a few uh, topics uh, that includes EuroLeague signings deadline, Panathinaikos uh, coaching uh, change, Sharuna Sisikavich's situation in, in Barca. Uh, also, we have almost all pictures set for the FIBA World Cup with 31 national team qualified uh, for the tournament. So a lot of things uh, need to be discussed. And maybe let's start with the EuroLeague signings deadline. So the official deadline is March 1st, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, European Central Time. So we're basically almost 72 hours away from the deadline. And some teams uh, are about to make some moves. But the topic for, for the question for this topic was, which would be your top three, the most anticipated moves that you would like to see both from team-wise or, or mm. player-wise? I mean, Tyler Dorsey just is became a free agent, right? the most obvious answer, yeah. right? Yeah. And since we've heard the news about Mitsich from FS camp, like Ataman said, maybe he's out for the rest of the season. I don't know what that means, mm -hmm. but if that's true, Tyler Dorsey could be a solution for, for FS, in my opinion. Putting Larkin more as a point guard? I mean, it's just or, about yeah. being a ball handler rather yeah. than positions. True. They're still, when they are on the court, you know, Mitic and Larkin, when they're both on the court, mm. they are, there is no, you are the point guard and I'm the shooting guard. They're just switching between handling the ball in, 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 in every position. Um, you know, yeah, Tyler Dorsey was the name, most obvious name. And uh, you could have said maybe Olympiakos, maybe Fenerbahce, you know, mm -hmm. the, the two teams that were interested in him way before, uh, I think it was start of December, when he got first cut yeah. from Dallas. Yeah. Uh, and talking about the teams, I think uh, Partizan would need a perimeter defender. Um, a guy who could, um, you know, a two-free who could defend the, the ball and just be uh, a defensive presence, which they don't, you know, in, in, let's say, let's take for an example, like the game against Fenerbahce, they lacked, you know, uh, uh, some defense and we all know their defensive problems. And uh, when you're playing uh, the coaches that are really, you know, nitpicking your weak defenders, it's gonna be a hard. You are gonna have a hard time defending uh, because at the same the same players are always going to be you know targeted in every possession. So I think Partizan would. I'm not sure if if uh, you know there is a guy that fits their profile if they have enough money to sign something, but uh, a, a perimeter defender would make a lot of sense for them. Perimeter defense for sure would help, but also missing uh, a solid backup frontline defender because as soon as Lazort or Lede, you know, uh, as soon as they get benched, uh, there's a huge uh, gap between the starters and the bench players. And I actually heard that they really want to upgrade the roster with a backup center, but I agree with you. Whether it's a perimeter defender or just a frontline defender, I mean, they just need to improve defense. That's all because yeah. they have one of the best, or not even maybe they have the, the best, best uh, offensive rating. Offensive rating. In, in defense was uh, their issue all season long. So if they would upgrade uh, this defensive department, uh, they could potentially become a top uh, eight lock, which is which is not easy to do. But they are in great shape. One of the most, uh, one of the hottest teams in the Euroleague currently. They're looking like a top eight lock the way they are playing for the last, let's say for the in a in a twenty 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 three. 
After what happened in the recent weeks, I, I, I do agree with that. Although I was sticking to my opinion with Zvezda, but since Zvezda lost to Alba Berlin and Partizan is running the rough and so smoothly, uh, you have to admit that Jelko Bradovic has the upper hand right now in the playoff race between the Serbian teams and mm. also being ahead of teams like Valencia and Jalgiris and some others. And they have improved their defense. Like if, mm -hmm. if they... Uh, for the overall season, they are like the last or second to last in defensive rating. Like looking at their last five or six mm. games, they were, I would say, number eight or number nine, mm. uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. So they have made improvements in, in, on, on both sides of the court. I have to say that uh, another team I would like to improve is Monaco because mm. they've, they've been struggling recently. Uh, they struggled in, in, in the cup. They lost to Barcelona. Some games even before were kind of hard to watch. And I'm thinking about what they need because potentially they could add a player like Terry Tarpey that, that would also add some defensive abilities. But to me, Monaco needs better spacing and better shooting. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if Chima Moneke is, 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 is the right signing. They did sign him. They add him. Of course, they needed some power in the, in the fourth position since they let uh, Adrian Mormon go but Moneke is not a stretch four and you can see how hard it is to play without a pure stretch four and without having uh, consistent shooters on the court because even last season they had a guy like Danilo Andrusic that could change the rhythm of the game a little bit with his off the ball movement and his shooting abilities so I'm thinking that I mean, Matt Thomas went to Panathinaikos. This is what hurts me the most. He went mm. to a team that's, that's not a contender this season. That will finish the season I exactly. in one month. It's, it's like uh, pointless. It doesn't change the league. If Monaco signed Matt Thomas, that would change things, in my opinion. Of course, you have three guards, Mike James, Elio Kobo, and Jordan Lloyd. And you want to play with, with them in, this, in the lineup when you're closing games. But I just want a shooter to improve this Monaco team. Yeah, they're 17th in three-point shooting this season, shooting below 33% uh, beyond the arc. But the problem is that they lack of shooting, and especially in the in the last stretch, they're also lacking of defense effort, uh, defensive-minded players. Their defensive rating is also pretty awful. They're 15th in defense in the EuroLeague, uh, and especially now maybe they're not consistent at all. They They haven't won... Back-to-back uh, -back games, okay, they won once against Milan and Alba Berlin, but other than that, it was the last time they won three games was in December, and they really not looking good. I think that their struggles are a bit un even underrated uh, right now, and yes, yeah, somebody who could also play some defense and stretch the floor in the fourth position uh, probably would be great, but the problem is that the market was very bad for that kind of... Uh, for that kind of uh, for that profile of player and they they were looking for an upgrade in this position uh, particularly stretch four position for quite some time but there are no let's see yearly ready players right now uh, considering their buyout situation or their free agency status that they could afford and actually i've heard that Mindelgas Kuzminskas is one of the names uh, being mentioned in those uh, EuroLeague talks because not uh, only Monaco, but especially now Basconia and uh, Bayern, they're looking for, for players in the fourth position. Of course, Bayern's situation is different because they they miss they will miss Augustin Rubit uh, for the rest of the season. He's a different type of player. But Basconia has some health issues with uh, Dalton Hamas. 
so Mindaugas Kuzminskas uh, profile of player would uh, fit them uh, better. Obviously, Basconia is, is, Lithuanians. is, is one, <laughs> again, Basconia and Lithuanians or, or Baltic players, Baltic Baltic players. Say, not only Lithuanians. And also that uh, they are an offensive-minded team that runs a lot in transition, take a lot of three-point shots, and Kuzminskas is not a guy that improves your defense, but uh, he's a good shooter. He can stretch the floor. That's what he gives. He had success in, in, in Malaga. He had success also. in Spain as well. And still, about Monaco, what I wanted to say is that they have a pretty friendly schedule ahead of them. They will play four of their next five games at home. Uh, right now, they have Maccabi at home, one of their, I would say, direct rivals in the, in the standings. After that, they have Panathinaikos at home, uh, Bosconia away, which is going to be a very beautiful game, in my opinion. And then they have Virtus at home and Valencia at home. So after these five games, playing four of them at home, they could be close to locking the playoffs uh, with the right results. And I think it's a good schedule for them, but just recently they're not playing that that well. Mm. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm also so any, have... any other teams that are looking to add players apart uh... from uh, the three you mentioned? Mm, let me check. So I wouldn't be surprised if Partizan adds uh, a big man. Uh, Basconi exploring the markets. Uh, Bayern looking Bayern. for a bit, uh, So Barcelona change. and this Balmaro thing and and Sestando, they reported that uh, Balmaro is on his way to Barca, which is an interesting move. Uh, I could see him in like Dante Exum role, like the way he played last season because... Uh, they have plenty of point guards, ball handlers, and, and Balmaro doesn't have to be a true point guard right now. He, he's tall enough to play as a number three, I would say, in, in certain lineups. And of course, signing him also has a clear connection with the fact he's a homegrown player. Yeah, it's more he for the ACB season so, so problem. So they probably would sign him not with the one-year contract uh, till the end of this season. They would probably sign him with a long-term deal. Yeah, and he was, I would say, pretty respected prospect in, in Jessica's team. He was but always this energy booster. When he made um, a jump to the NBA, I always said that it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. A point guard without the three-point shooting abilities going to the NBA... It's impossible for him as a young player to, to me, have an impact there. Um, Khalid Zakis case, actually, although Bulmar is a better defender. But I don't know, of course, when you're drafted player. and you have the opportunity, you, you, you wanna, have to you, go. You have to go. You want to try yourself, test yourself, but... He was a high high draft pick, actually. A tall so point 23rd. guard. A tall point guard is something okay. that the NBA teams are looking for, but if he cannot shoot, then... It's I'm interested, you know, and Sestando is reporting he is coming, but mm, doesn't he have the market or Bulmara himself doesn't want to, you know, try out different NBA options because, you know, he is a rookie. Uh, he's an NBA, you know, player that just got drafted and, and you know, usually if you get a one chance in one team and you are, if you are a 23rd pick in a draft, you there's like 90% of chance that you are getting a second chance some, somewhere else. But maybe it's but for Argentinians. I remember that La Provitola also returned pretty quickly. Gabriel Deck. Uh, he wasn't getting any opportunities. I mean, Bolmaro, he wasn't getting opportunities neither in Minnesota yeah. or Utah. So maybe he just wants to finish, to finish the season in a 
comfort more comfortable situation uh, where he feels trusted where he plays for for the titles and then where to try plays. to make this comeback yeah, where he plays and man, then make this comeback in in summer mm. although i don't see that happening i think that um mindset of these players with european background i know he's argentinian from south america but with european basketball background uh is different to what the american players have like if an if an american player gets drafted doesn't make it with his first team he gets cut he will always try to get, make his way back through the g league uh, signing some some maybe um, non-guaranteed contracts and players with european background they always have the option to go back compete for the titles mm. uh, i mean you're playing for a huge club and obviously you earn money as well and if Barcelona gives you a long-term deal, maybe that's better than chasing the NBA because I don't see Balmaro being successful in the NBA unless he starts making three-point shots. That's the way it is right that's now. That's a big if. That's a very big... He has a decent pull-up mid-range shot, yeah. but that's not enough if you want to be a successful point guard in the NBA. And, and I mean, to me, it makes sense from Balmaro's side, from Barcelona's side... I don't know, you're just bringing back one of your own players because right now when you see that Jokubaitis is actually playing very well. Very well. You also have Higgins. You also have Satoransky who's been performing, I would say, especially last game against Monaco. I liked his performance. Maybe Laprovitola is just struggling a little bit recently. Maybe it affected him when he missed those clutch free throws uh, in, in the cup quarterfinal. Now he missed clutch free throws in a... Uh, decisive uh, qualifier for Argentina so it affects the player of course but you still have him and you know his talent you know his ability so basically the roster looks set mm. it's not like they need another True. ball handler yeah. Bulmar is not a game changer as Tyler Dorsey would be for, for, for many teams on my list I also have uh, Fenerbahce I, I missed some defense in the last 10 games they had the worst defensive rating uh, and they have issues stopping three-pointers, uh, but also their last in defensive rebounding. So I don't know if it's more related to some defensive presence uh, in the paint or they need somebody as a solid backup uh, for, for Nick uh, Kalaitis uh, to improve uh, their defense, to be more solid team because they were also uh, struggling lately after this impressive uh, start of the season. Uh, Maccabi, of course, they would benefit from a stretch four uh, shooting stretch for uh, I would say and um, regarding to Dorsey I actually honestly speaking okay Olympiakos makes sense Fenerbahce I think that they should be one of the best destinations uh, for, for Dorsey if he wants to win the title in the EuroLeague but actually I would love to see him improving Virtus because I want to keep this competitive balance and if he would join Virtus it would make this race even more exciting. I mean, they're just one win away from from the playoff uh, group. They also improved uh, their game. For me, they were always lacking of a solid uh, scorer uh, throughout uh, the season. And bringing talent like Tyler Dorsey would add some unpredictability over their chances of, of, of making the playoffs, although I didn't see that coming uh, this season. So, yeah. It would be interesting. I'm just not sure if that's possible. That's possible. possible. Doesn't sound right to me. Who knows? They're gonna go with Marco Bellinelli. 
Yeah. The man has been hot. Yeah. He's been hot, actually. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, of changes, of, no. of this deadline, finally, Faku Campasso is free. Will get free. He's going to be free in a couple of days. And he has nine games left until the end of the regular season to save Red Star uh, and the playoff chances. So they're 13th in the standings. They're two wins away from the uh, top eight group. Nine games remaining. Uh, what do you believe? Do you believe that he gonna save their season and turn things around? I think they messed up pretty badly. They messed up. We like, talked. We, talk we talked about how they have six games without him and and nine games with him, and mm -hmm. we were like, oh, they have a pretty, you know, friendly schedule uh, without him, and they are going to be fine, and they he is going to come back, come back, and they are going to make the playoffs, but. That week in Italy, that game against Jalgiris and this last loss against Alba. And I also think, the Derby loss. And also the Derby loss. Uh, they need to at least win seven games from their last nine. Mm -hmm. And that would probably make for some, you know, tie head-to-head -head matchups, you know, to see how the point differential goes. So I don't see that happening. I doubt it. I doubt it. To me, it's... It, even every every week it looks even more and more that the Dusko Ivanovic effect is is just uh fading away. I know they won the cup. That's that's great. They won the title, uh, but you cannot afford to slip against Albert home like that. And there are no excuses. You cannot say you need Facundo Campasso to beat Alba Berlin. You have to beat Alba Berlin at home. With Faku or without Faku. If you want to make the playoffs in the Exactly. And the way they stopped playing in the fourth quarter and Maodolo was just cooking, it, it looked like Alba's chasing playoffs, not Vesda. So I don't know. I'd, it's hard for me to stick with my prediction about Cervenas Vesda being in the top eight right now when I see Partizan uh, playing the, their offense the way they do, when I see Maccabi... At home, they're always on fire. Uh, when I see Valencia actually still playing good basketball and still winning winning games, and FS of course still chasing the the top eight, I think this this loss is just it costs too much. Mm. The games against Algiers and Partizan were also up for grabs. They just couldn't do it in the fourth quarter when it mattered and. But you know, you can say, oh, those three games, uh, Olympia, Virtus, Ralgaris, all all away. And you know, away games are always tough to win in the Euroleague, doesn't matter yeah. what this, that was a home game against Alba. And uh, if I had to point something out, you could look at the three point shooting percentage, Al uh, not Alba, but Zvezda is struggling a lot. Uh, but you know, to me, the performance of Luca Vildoza, uh, you know, Without Campasso, he has to play good if Zvezda wants to win. And in the last three games, he's shooting 13% from three-point range, two of 15. And he has more turnovers than he has assists. Ten turnovers and nine assists in the last three games. Mm. And uh, I don't know what's affecting him. Maybe that's that's a bad you know slump for him and that happens. But it just came at a time, at the worst possible timing uh, for Zvezda and uh, uh, there were more problems, obviously, against Alba. You know, they couldn't they couldn't really defend. Uh, 
I did not see the same Zvezda energy and the same grit they usually show at home. You know, Alba were outperforming them in terms of in terms of energy, and uh, this is not usual. So, you know, when you don't see these things like energy, it's mm. really hard to think that a team is going to make some kind of turnaround. Maybe the they games. over celebrated the cup. Hmm. I don't know, <laughs> which is possible in Serbia. Alba Berlin didn't win the cup. <laughs> They didn't win the cup. Bayern Munich uh, won the cup, and Trinkieri was putting up Paul Anner. And yeah. they Bayern shower also was the following Euro game. Although they, that was not a bad game, they played Maccabi away. They were leading for a long time. It's just that Maccabi has so much talent, and when they play at home, it's it's. But there should be one of the best home teams this season. Research about teams winning cup. Winning and cups then like Chargers won the cup. They Chargers were hopeless. In, they, the hope, they were hopeless <laughs> in Madrid. Uh, there has to Malaga, be some correlation. Brescia. <laughs> I mean, since Malaga won the cup, what I loved to follow the most was Kendrick Perry on Twitter because not yeah. only did he win the cup, <laughs> he won Twitter. He won Twitter he, that day, <laughs> and he led Montenegro to the World Cup. Yep, in the qualifiers, so he's the he winner has, of the week. He has so many reasons to celebrate right now. We should have a new uh, podcast segment: Winner of the Week, Kendrick Perry. Kendrick Perry, I loved That's his dance time. in that. Uh, title parade you saw his tweet what he was saying about that dance he said it was not me it was Hennessy dancing. <laughs> tequila <laughs> tequila dance tequila, sorry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean over celebrating is a thing and you cannot uh, cannot rule out this as a reason why Zvezda was so poor against Alba Berlin maybe they lacked energy because they celebrated because they didn't think that Alba Berlin is a dangerous opponent for them at home and they were not 100% focused and they were punished. And that costs a lot, as I said, in the standings. And energy is uh, one of the first things that Campasso is bringing to the table. Exactly. As yeah, well. Exactly. But I just don't, I mean, nine games, you have to win seven, maybe even eight. Yeah. It's not going to be I easy. don't really believe in it also, mm. but let's see what happens. Campasso is a special player, of course. Yeah. What would be the percentage? Like that, that Zvezda makes the, the odds. Yeah. How how much how, I believe uh, yeah. in it? I would say like fifteen percent, percent, ten between okay. ten and fifteen percent, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. something like that. It's going to yeah, be interesting because from the last nine games they're playing, they have five home uh, five home games. Mm -hmm. uh, they have three opponents that they're beloved uh, down in the in the bottom of the standings mm -hmm. uh, in the Euroleague. They also have free home games against head-to-head -head, uh, playoff rivals, yeah. which is important. They will finish the season with five, uh, with four of five last games playing at home, yeah. and they will actually play their last two games uh, of the regular season against Olympiakos home and Fener, who might have been already sure of the home court advantage in the playoffs, uh, or their mm, regular uh, season standings uh, seed. Mm. So that might help. The only two opponents, I mean, their schedule is pretty interesting. Bayern away, FS at home without message, Pantnaikos away, Barca away, which is tough, Basconia home, Valencia home, Asvel away, Olympiagos and Fender home. So if Campasso brings back that excitement, if he gives some energy offensively to cover Vildoza's uh, slump, uh, if he gives this huge moral boost that maybe the team needs after the magic of uh, Ivanovic uh, faded away, I mean, who knows? Uh, I'm not saying that their ch chances are high, but at least uh, Composite will bring some excitement, you know, mm. because th there is some 
arguments uh, to believe uh, in their last uh, playoff uh, push. So we'll see. We'll see. Facundo Campazzo was actually not enough for Argentina oh. to beat Dominican yeah, Speaking Republic. of miracles, yeah. yeah. That's the issue we have to address. Yeah, We won't have <laughs> the silver medalists of the last yeah. FIBA uh, World Cup. They World also Cup. won the uh, FIBA Americas uh, tournament, tournament. Mm. recently. And we won't have them in the tournament because they lost Dominican Republic. And they only have themselves to blame. Exactly. Not the FIBA system. Of course, it didn't help that they, they were playing during the windows with uh, Garino, Delfino, and, and uh, some other players uh, that are and out still of the... Still, they have Gabriel Deck, uh, La Provitola, But in this Campasso. game, yes, exactly. In this game, they had Deck, they had Campasso, they had La Provitola, they had Rusino. They, they had, had a 17-point lead in the end of the third quarter. Dominican Republic had Andres Feliz from... Juventud Badalona. Argentina blew their lead. Uh, they they missed clutch free throws and they lost the game and they're not playing in the World Cup, which is strange because usually uh, when you're talking about South American basketball, it's Brazil and Argentina, obviously the mm -hmm. most dominant teams. Uh, the others are... I know that the, um, the qualifier is not based on South America, it's FIBA Americas. Like Dominica Re Republic is not from South America, but they participate uh, in, in the same qualifier. And it's it's a huge blow, I would say, for Argentina. Mm. They always play in the Olympics, they always play in I the World really Cup, they're always them. competitive. They're exciting, they're usually they're underdogs. Yeah. But they I know that Scholar retired, surprise. but they still have a lot of talent and quality. They were bad actually- Bad luck, bad luck. Yeah, they were really fun to watch, and we'll be missing also Turkey, Nigeria, uh, Czech Republic, Poland. Actually, if okay, Serbia, they still have to qualify for the World Cup tonight. We can actually fake the both scenarios right now. You know, uh, if Serbia wins <laughs> or if they fail to qualify. Look, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that Serbia is going to lose to Great Britain. If they do, probably I should retire from this podcast. <laughs> Don't make those statements. We have some bad history with those statements I mean, in our you, office. You don't bet your... Uh, <laughs> I remember that after all those surprises in the Eurobasket uh, playoffs, our head of video, Gitas, said that if uh, Poland wins against Slovenia, I won't get paid until, I don't know, end of my uh, career in basket news. How is that going, Aridonis? <laughs> <laughs> and he's getting paid, you know. He's getting paid, but but yeah, just be, be careful with your statements. Come on, man. You cannot lose Great Britain. In a and because and especially when Britain is not fighting yeah, for because, anything, because Argentina, Ar Argentina, you know, against Dominican Republic. But Dominican Republic at least has professional basketball players. I mean, Great Britain also do. Oh. They are considered professionals. Oh. I, oh. I, I give you that. Oh. Just look at that team. They were trashed I by Belgium. See Great Britain fans attacking your Instagram. There account are right no now. Great Britain yeah. fans. Let's be real <laughs> exactly. about this. Like, <laughs> We're not here to talk about exactly. Carabao Cup or whatever happened in England <laughs> last weekend. We're talking about basketball and we're talking about Serbia versus Great Britain. Serbia strengthened by Guduric and yeah. some other guys. Guduric this is basketball, it's not football news. I mean, I, I will just take a look at the, the last game um, Great Britain played in the in the qualifiers, which was against Belgium, which and they lost at home by 30. Former player by 40 of Great, Great Britain, Lol Deng, led yeah. South Sudan national team to the World Cup. 
one of the biggest miracles of these qualifiers, as well as uh, Keith Verde and Eddie Tavares' success mm. of taking them to the. So I'm not denying that Great Britain had good players. No, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm just covering the. I'm just filling the, the time you're, you're, you're doing your searching. research. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Belgium trashed Great Britain. The game was played in Newcastle, 88-59. And if. Ellis, Horschler, Sharma, Watson, Gale, Wheatle, Adamu, Beal, Johnson, Lawson, Menzies, Mockford, and Williams will beat Serbia. I think Pesic should retire, retire from, from basketball, from basketball from in general. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have to say. Obviously, Serbia could have clinched the, the position in Athens. They lost uh, to Greece in an overtime. They also had players like Milutina of the Vidovats on the roster and they just couldn't win the game, but they should do the job today. Let's hope so, because Nikola Jokic missing the World Cup uh, <laughs> because Serbia losing to Great Britain would be... Yeah, some not, criminal, the world, not the World Cup, we, we want to see. Yeah, so to be short, from Europe we will have Greece, Spain, France, Slovenia, Germany, Italy, Lithuania, Latvia, Montenegro, Finland and Georgia. From America, we'll have uh, USA, Canada, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. From Africa, Angola, Cape Verde, Cote d'Ivoire, Cape Verde, Cape Verde, Cape Verde, Ivory Coast. Just say Ivory, Ivory Coast, Coast man. <laughs> why am Why am reading this say French uh, pronunciation? Cote uh, Egypt and South Sudan, and from Asia, although it's um, not. It's just theoretically Asian. It was the Asian qualifiers. We will have Australia and New Zealand, and also China, Iran, Japan, Jordan, Lebanon, and Philippines. I'm actually, I feel bad, you know, of not having Argentina, Turkey, and having some of those Asian teams in the tournament. Because, okay, you can also argue about African teams. Croatia as well. Croatia, yeah. You can argue about African teams. I don't think Croatia deserves to play any tournaments. But for Asia to have eight teams qualifying to the World Cup, that's that's maybe too well, much. Well, they have the hosts, right? Yeah, that plays a big part of that, Japan, maybe. Philippines. It's the World Cup, and you know, people from other parts of the world will always say, guys, you have your Eurobasket. Mm-hmm. Don't make the World Cup a new Eurobasket. Like, we've, we only think about the quality of the basketball, so we want to see European teams, Team USA, Australia, Brazil, Argentina, and we don't need the rest of the world. Mm. Uh, then so let's make like Olympics. let's make Olympics of twelve of twelve teams. You know, with uh, and even in the Olympics, super, super league. Yeah, and even in the Olympics, of. people complain that why do we have these two African teams? For example, I mean, come on, it's 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 the World Cup. Uh, okay, people, okay. Teams deserve Sorry. to be here. They have the quotas. Even in football, people complain why do these teams play in the World Cup and Italy doesn't qualify? Well, in Europe, you already have half of the tournament. So if you didn't make it through the qualifiers, it's your problem. And when you mentioned Croatia, I'm sorry. No, they don't deserve. When Croatia to qualified there. to something like the last Eurobasket, did they leave you any good impressions? No, <laughs> probably not. So I don't have the problem with with the teams that are gonna be there. Uh, I know that there will be some blowout games and boring games and everything, but that's the issue of the World Cup. From actually. the quarterfinal stage, it it gets interesting usually, and at least you have sometimes one group where one upset happens, mm. and that's interesting to follow. I'm really glad Latvia make it. 
yeah to be honest you know we sure. miss them for in sure. the Eurobasket, and uh, they probably have the most talented generation you know mm -hmm. of, of the you know the the pool of the players are the have the most talent in the recent years so to see Porzingis in the World Cup with the crew would be I'm I'm really glad yeah. that we're going They're, to have them I I just have this bad feeling that they weren't in the 2019 World Cup which was probably the golden age because now some of the important True. Latvian team players uh they they got just got aged so yeah at that time they still easy. had Strelnik performing at a high level they still had Yanis Tima being mm -hmm. a relevant Lattis player Burton's. Divers Burtons. You wanted to see them in the World Cup after what they showed in the 2017 yeah. uh, Eurobasket. And we didn't have Slovenia that, and Latvia that, that in the World Cup. That unfortunate loss in the quarter, quarter final was probably a finals, you know, yeah. a finals yeah. matchup. And since the World Cup works as a Olympic qualifier, uh, also for these teams, obviously, it's a big opportunity to, to make it to the Olympic Games. Although after that, you will have those qualifying tournaments. That's how FIBA makes makes their money from the Olympic basketball, but yeah. And what I wanted to mention actually was uh, the way Georgia qualified mm -hmm. because they played uh, on, mm -hmm. the, on the last day at, uh, with Iceland. And based on head-to-head, -head, uh, Georgia beat Iceland by three in their first game. And in this game, Iceland beat them by three. And then it was decided by the uh, points difference in, in, in total, like, and Georgia had the upper hand, so Iceland was just one point away from making it to the World just Cup. One wide open shot away from making the World Such Cup. Such a small nation could have been in the Basketball World Cup. They've been to the Eurobasket uh, already, I believe in 2015 or 13, uh, and they were just one shot away. They had Elvar Fridriksson. Mm. They were one good shot away. Being hot, although Georgia has a better roster and I think they are a better fit for the World Cup when they add Betadze, Mamukilashvili mm. on top of what they have. They, Shingelia played in this qualifier. Uh, Shermadini played in the qualifier. McFadden. So they are a strong team, I would say. It's good that they made it, but that was a drama. That was a real basketball drama what happened with Georgia and Iceland. And Shingelia, uh, as well as Tavares, played three games in four days. Yeah, that's nothing new to him. Yeah, he, he he's a warrior. He's used to playing in the EuroLeague and going to the national team. The difference is that you have to take this 12-hour flight to Africa, <laughs> yeah. which is not easy to handle, probably. That's, I mean, Thursday you play, Thursday evening you finish the game, and on Friday evening you have another game on completely different uh, place place of the world and it's it should be it should look weird to you in, in in some kind of sense yeah it's great to have him in the world cup and to have this cinderella story of cape where i think if i'm playing the uh fiba world cup fantasy game on some platform <laughs> i will have eddie tavares because uh, it doesn't matter if kafverge will be losing games Jeez. he's gonna be putting up numbers 2020 <laughs> something like that 15 and 25 rebounds and he's going to shoot some three-pointers, I imagine. Because I'm used to seeing uh, players that perform for national teams that don't have a lot of talent, even if they are bigs that don't shoot normally they in their teams. They do everything for the national team because the team is so dependent on them. So I can see Tavares playing some pick-and-pop you know, actions. You know, usually the players at this level, they are capable of doing everything. It's just that, you know, the coach... Maybe has the system where the five he doesn't want the five to pop. He yeah. always roll, or maybe you know 
Or why not, would you not have maybe? Why would you have Tavares popping for Real Madrid? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when yeah. You're because when you have players. four other players, better yeah. shooters around, so. But what I wanted just to say is, you know, these these players at the highest level, they they usually can do everything, and uh, in the in the practice, especially, you know, you could see them knocking down threes often. Yeah, yeah let's wrap up the pod with two head coach stories uh, in the Euroleague. First of all, Pat uh oh. parting ways with Dan Radonjic. Uh, I remember that took longer than wrapping, I expected. Wrapping up the podcast, it's. Quite a long outro, I would say. Uh, I mean, I remember that Augustus put me in trouble when he made this bold early season prediction by saying that Radonjic will be the first one uh, to be fired. I think I was the one that made the prediction. Oh, really? No, no, I said it. You said it. First, and I, and first, I, even before and the I season. I, and you probably. said, and I know I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And Pat Michaels, they were really angry because coach. Of, of, of us making those statements and putting some of them on the social media. Welcome I'm not me. happy about it. I mean, that, that it was true. And I said it when I was making the prediction, you know. Yeah. Look, we're never happy about the person losing his job. Yeah. yeah. It, but the professional sports business is what it is. When, when you're a head coach, that's your life. But actually watching what happened in the Panathinaikos during the season, I think that parting ways with Radonich was inevitable. And it happened later than I expected. Mm. Yeah. But the question is, is we it going to change that. anything? This season? No. No. Who would be game changer for them from the head coaching apart, uh, department? Pablo Lasso only? I mean, for the future, maybe, but this season is, is buried already. Mm. There's nothing you can do in the Euroleague. I don't see them overcoming Olympiakos in the Greek League. The gap is, is enormous. Yeah, it's just like you, if you can sign a coach with a long-term project and rebuild the team in the summer, maybe next season you start from scratch. Pablo Lasso might be a solution, but uh, I don't see anybody who could save them this season no, or change this, anything this, this season. Although I heard that they tried to go after Velimir Parasovic, who is still working in Was Kazan. Gianmarco Poseco? Gianmarco Poseco was also the case. There was some truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But also, I, I'm not sure if it was reported, but I've heard that they were also very high on, on Parasovic. Before the pod, we were talking with Ridis about Manchester United and their rebuild. And to me, Panathinaikos looks, you know... That's a good comparison. There could be some similarities about... You know what happened uh, when Ferguson left and Panathinaikos now. You know the, the lack of identity. Mm -hmm. They're searching every every season. They're signing players that have uh, uh, high profile names that you know have a lot of talent, but that don't fit the plan. And because there is a plan, the plan is for one year. So you have to you start the plan. You you know have patience for half a year. You change the coach in the middle of the season, and then you change the coach again um, in the summer. Yeah. Then you buy a lot of new players. There is no time to develop the identity, to develop, I don't know, some any kind of chemistry and stuff. Then you try to bring in new signings in, in the midseason. They don't fit together because they have been there for, you know, one or two months. And so you, you said, you know, is Pablo Lasso the game changer for, for Pau? You know, if you do the same thing again and you have six months of patience and you you know make this team in the summer this way where you know don't really 
the signings don't really make sense, I don't see them improving. I don't. I see them, you know, remaining in the average uh, shelf of the EuroLeague. So um, to me, what they first need is to completely change, you know, how they are building the team. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't it, help when the owner one year doesn't want to invest money, then the other year, next year he wants to invest money, but the, the, everything they do is really chaotic. The way they sign players, they they sign players that the coach doesn't really want. Uh, that don't fit the coach's system. Exactly. For, first, so, you decide to build on the coach. Then you decide to build on one player. But then again, you are now looking for a coach who could lead your team. It's it. It doesn't work that way. You know, you have to. It all comes find to the balance. fact that they don't have a clear sports director or a good person uh, for this huge task for any Euroleague team. They they had this. Um, Manos Papadopoulos, uh, probably one of the best GMs or sports directors, whatever you, whatever you call it. He was working for PAO like around 30 years and he always had clear idea how, how to build a team. Even after uh, Jelko left, okay, you can say that uh, Dimitris Gianopoulos was investing more money uh, in the club when right now, but still he always managed to build some very interesting team and I think that that's what they're missing. I mean, before this season they had Argiris Padulakis as the guy who was in charge of building the roster. Then suddenly after six months, first of all, he's not speaking very good English. Let's begin from that. You he you hired the head coach who's also not very well known for his English English speaking skills. Then it's not clear who is signing players, what coach thinks about uh, those players. Then you put your sports director to the youth uh, department. So there's there's no structure in the organization. So I just believe that they have to. It doesn't. It's not about the coach. It's not about the head coach. It's not about about Pablo Lasso, they have to, you know, set the clear structure. They have to put the man, the right man in charge of building the team, doing a project, building this uh, project uh, for the future. And then the following steps uh, have to follow. So I think a strong head coach can be your GM also, but you must trust him. If you have the funds, you need to stop making signings that go against the coach's will. And if, if the coach has a way of building a roster and his own philosophy, his own system, how he wants his team to play, and you trust him, you can survive without the very strong GM figure. But you need to completely trust your coach. And if you just sign Pablo Lasso or any other big-name coach and just give him some random players and go and win games, it doesn't work that way, obviously. Because, like, we can take Milan as an example. Messina is the president, the coach, the GM, whatever. He's signing players, right? And he's coaching the team. I mean, this season they're not successful. Previously, we saw them in the Final Four when they had guys like Delaney, Chacho, and, and Punter. So that's another approach that is possible. You give more power to the head coach. Sharas was a man orchestra in, in, in Jardim, Jardim, and it worked yeah. well, very well for the low-budget team, as Panathinaikos is right now at the moment. I'm not sure if they're so low budget if they can add Let's Matt Thomas. Mid, mid, mid table uh, team. And some money under the table. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, speaking of Shorun Sescavages, uh, uh, we had, I mean, this, this social media post had a lot of uh, success uh, related to Shorun Sescavages. There was this report by S. How do you call it? This media outlet, as how to say it in in Spanish? Uh, uh, maybe just for safety reasons, you should say as. As <laughs> because as sounds 
not very delicate. Yeah, how do you call that Monaco full full name? AS Monaco. AS Monaco. AS yeah. Monaco basket. You know, <laughs> okay. If you read this that way. Say AS, man. Man, I'm not getting any sleep in the recent week. Uh, at first it was a jet lag, then my, my son getting up early at five, six in the morning. So sorry for, for being nah, busy. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, so it's not like you cannot say ass on our podcast. Yeah, that's that's also but it's true. it's just not the right context. <laughs> according to Alex Bieskas, he reported that Yasekiavichus has a clause in his contract that if he wins the EuroLeague uh, this season, his contract with Barca gets automatically extended for the Favre season. Only one? <laughs> That's already one uh, additional season. I, I, To be honest, first of all, I cannot confirm this uh, information. And secondly, it's it should be very rare condition. I'm, I don't frequently hear anything like that. Oh, if you win the season, the, the, the title, your contract gets automatically extended. It's pretty rare thing uh, in Europe. So usually an extension still has to be triggered by either the player, coach or the club. Yeah. And automatic extension is not something I've heard of mm -hmm. because probably then it means the contract gets extended on the same conditions. I mean, financially. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, or there could bonus. be, you know, yeah. It's still a rumor. We're discussing a rumor. Yeah. Let's be completely We're clear. Speculating. We're just speculating. Maybe Shadas is just laughing at this rumor. Yeah. Very, which uh, is very likely. He, he very probably probable. knows. Likely. He probably knows what he signed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but... Okay, if if we talk about this rumor, now the question is, uh, the question is clear: Should Barca decide Yasikavich's future in the club based on no. their Euroleague title, whether they win it or not? No, only on Euroleague title. No, yeah, I would, I wouldn't say that. They're I so mean, if they uh, let's say win ACB and lose in the Euroleague final four, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with Charles. Even if they don't win Euroleague again, but they win ACB, uh, if they win Euroleague extension, and my my response was even only one year, you know, winning Euroleague is hard, you know, and especially mm -hmm. in single elim elimination games. Uh, I don't think he has the best roster in the Euroleague, so that would be huge, and. Uh, single elimination games, just like we saw recently in 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 um, Spain's Cup. Uh, is you know they are tricky, mm -hmm. so it 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 is a big deal losing against Unicaja uh, in, in the quarterfinal, but uh, you know it's maybe it would be too harsh to judge uh, the way mm -hmm. Barca perform only on the outcome of you know maybe this this loss against Unicaja, or if they lose let's say a Euroleague final, but if they don't make it to the final four, yeah, if, oh, if that's different. That's if yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because it's not a given they'll be in the final four. No. The quarterfinals will be so hard this They season. struggled last two years. Uh, <laughs> they needed a game five. Yeah. They needed a both game five times. both times at home in Palau. So And they uh, were the number one seed the bo both times. Yeah. You know what? Um I mean Sharas is a basketball genius, of course. I don't enjoy watching his team. I don't enjoy hearing about suffering killer instinct and and player, letting here. players go to their strong hand and all that stuff every single week. Maybe some players are also tired from that. I don't know. In Barca camp, sometimes when you see them play, it looks like they're, they're becoming robots instead of humans with real emotions and real feelings. 
But AI playing on the court. At the same time, you can see that what Sharas does, he does it with a purpose. He wants to play the uh, with exploiting the mismatches of the opposition team. Yeah, he's always preparing a game plan the way they need to be defensively. Like last week's game against Monaco. If you have the ability inside your team to keep Monaco under 70 points or with 70 as it happened and control players like Mike James, Jordan Lloyd, Elio Kobo throughout the 40 minutes, it means you have the quality to win titles, to win the championship. And it's just for Barca to make up their mind. Do they believe in Sharas and the way he is doing things or do they want to change the approach? And probably the name of Xavi Pascal being a Catalan coach who's the last coach to win EuroLeague for Barca is always tempting. And if there are some talks between Barca and Xavi, if he's becoming available, mm. maybe they're leaning towards that way. And of course, it's a results-driven business. If Sharas wins the EuroLeague and wins the ACB, how can you not extend a, a title-winning coach? Right now, probably still hurts a little bit after the Copa del Rey. Uh, actually, it's the first Copa del Rey game that Sharas lost mm -hmm. yeah. during his one back -to -back stint before. Yeah. So, if he wins one of the ACB or the Euroleague, I mean, it's for me that's automatic extension. To be Dude, honest, I agree, and I, I completely agree, agree with uh, August's uh, comments. I believe that in his situation, although I would say that uh, you shouldn't uh, teams shouldn't uh, define the success of their project based on the final box score, based on the final result uh, in the league and uh, the standings. But even the ACB league would be more fair to judge coach's ability uh, and the way he, he did his process in, in, in three years with Barcelona, because at least you have final series of best of five. In EuroLeague, as you mentioned, it's a single elimination game and making it to the final four, it's already a huge win for any organization. Because if you remember, uh, Chavez is the first uh, head coach of Barcelona who brought them back uh, to the final four after five or six years. And before, although Xavi Pascal is considered one of the top coaches and okay, he was, he was younger before, it was also a bit different uh, stage of his career, but he led Barca to six straight EuroLeague final fours, which is crazy when you think about it. But they, happened to win the EuroLeague only once, which just says how hard it is to win the EuroLeague mm. in, in two games when the when the two games are on the line. And just one final thought. We're talking from club's perspective, whether they should extend the contract or not. Maybe Sharas has his own conditions. Mm. And if, True. if his conditions are not met, he's not going to extend. Who knows? Yeah. Because if Sharas becomes a free agent, he can afford to take a sabbatical year and, and sign with, with some club next season and, and build a team and do whatever he wants. So if he has some of some requirements, let's say for Barcelona financially and how he sees um, going forward, building the roster, uh, because we're always hearing that Barca wants to cut the expenses. Like uh, they don't want to sign any more expensive players. They would like to cut some contracts. Maybe they want to save some money and maybe Sharas doesn't agree with something. So we're talking just from club's yeah. perspective, what he wins, what are the results and should we extend him or not? 
let's not forget that Charas has his own ambitions and if he doesn't want to stay, maybe he wants to leave and go somewhere else. Mm. But right now, obviously, everyone's just focused on, on winning games because how they, the, the way team reacted after the loss uh, in Badalona was a very positive reaction, in my opinion. Against Monaco, they played a very solid game, being consistent throughout the 40 minutes. Uh, they were leading and controlling the game and didn't have the problems they, they faced in some other games, like against Malaga when you were up 11 with five minutes to go. So yeah. right now it's just about basketball and the contract extension is still an and, open and, question, and, probably. I, I believe that, okay, there are a lot of mixed feelings after their early elimination and the Copa del Rey, but you cannot take it too serious. I mean, Barca won back-to-back -back Copa del Rey's. They won it last year, and everybody thought that Barca was on their way to win it all in EuroLeague or ACB, but they failed. Uh, so it yeah. doesn't describe, it, it's just, it tells more about the momentum of the team of the season. And again, it's a single elimination uh, thing. And They're, you can also say that Malaga went on to beat Madrid, to beat Tenerife and, and win the title. So yeah. does it make any yeah. difference that Real Madrid uh, lost in the semis? No, and not Barca at all. lost in the quarterfinals? And, and the other thing uh, you mentioned, the roster. I mean, they already have a lot of, uh, core players under long-term contracts like Sotranske, Vesely, Higgins, uh, Mirotic. Uh, of course, there should be even more players, which means that if you bring another head coach, basically he will have to deal with the roster with only slight uh, roster adjustments. Mm -hmm. I know in Europe, it's <laughs> you cannot take uh, the long-term contracts for granted, but I mean, this roster is built uh, yeah. for for Sharuna Sesikavichos. Uh, Although basketball. I would love to talk with the coach who would say that uh, Corey Higgins and Nikola Mirotic don't fit my system. Yeah, that's I, true. I want these guys cut. I cannot win, <laughs> no. you know, titles or I, games I don't need roster. Jan Vesely. I'm sorry, Kalinic is not good enough for me. Yeah. I just think, you know, all these talks about uh, Shara's extension, whether whether he should be extended or not, uh, the style play of Barcelona influences these talks, these rumors a lot. Obviously, you know, Barca has the roster, one of the best rosters in the EuroLeague, the names and everything. So they are expected to win almost every game and every title whenever they, whenever they play in. But I think their play style because it's not fun to watch for a casual fan and you know it's hard to watch even for uh, you know a simple for us maybe who watch a lot of basketball that influences a lot of these talks you know because it doesn't really matter the way you lose uh, whether you are playing Pasquale basketball or whether you are playing Yesikavich's uh, you know basketball in the final mm. four if you lose one game and you lose it doing uh, playing mm. well you know playing like FS it's still a, lo a loss, but yeah. you know, their play style affects, I think these, a lot of rumors and a lot of conversations and, that are yeah, going let's, on. Let's be honest, Charles is not the most popular figure, coaching figure uh, among the fans. He also receives a lot of uh, hate. His, his personality, the way he treats his players, some of his uh, statements, the game style, as you mentioned, I also mm. think that it, it comes to that point. And people's opinions about uh, Shara's system and the way Barca plays, uh, it, doesn't help that uh, FS are back-to-back -back champions. True. It doesn't help when you judge a team like Barca, knowing that the current champions, back-to-back -back champions, are a player-driven team. And a cu and current, you know, and not not only Euroleague champions, but uh, you know, 
in a lot of tournaments, the, the teams that have played, you know, that pick and roll heavy ISO free basketball have yeah. won recently. So you could even say, you know, Sharas is going against the, you know, trends, trends. Yes. the modern trends. So that's that's a good point from from you as well. I, yeah. So we we might sound biased. We, because we're protecting Shurnasis Akash. Was I protecting him? Bro, I actually said that I don't like his basketball things. We're talking about speaking of his future, okay, of course. Okay. We have mixed feelings about his basketball, but at least uh, regarding to his future, I believe that Barca should be uh, patient because even the even though it's a results-driven sports, but if they manage to win the ACB this year, so it means that in three years, Sharas won two of three Copa del Reyes, two of three ACBs, and let's say if he makes third straight Final Four, I mean, even though that, even though Barca and Real Madrid they're actually the only forty plus budget, uh, forty plus million budget teams in the Euroleague, even though they are that rich, it's already great, uh, great result uh, in, in European basketball. So I don't know. That's that's it. That's that's it. Just for the last time, let's give some credit to our uh, BN Plus members, especially those uh, who subscribe us on All Star and GM levels. And this list includes Paulus Tinteris, Hoofman, Kristars Pukitis, Gabrielu Serva, Audition Eleven, Luka Sucevic, and Yunut Gergesko. We're waiting for. To, to, we're willing to see this community growing even more. So join us on basketnews.com slash plus and see you soon this week on BN plus uh, Q&A, no, or bonus Q&A episode. Yeah, that's right.